Welcome to the Center for Grassland Studies podcast series. I'm your host, Fargo McKendry, Program Coordinator for the Center. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with Jeff Drahoda, a biologist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service Rainwater Basin Wetland Management District in Funk, Nebraska. Today's topic is rainwater basin management. Jeff, thank you so much for taking time to speak to me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Margaret. Now, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service manages waterfowl production areas known as WPAs in the rainwater basin area of central Nebraska. Could you explain what a WPA is, please? Sure. Waterfowl production areas are federal lands that are purchased with duck stamp dollars. And they're a little different than refuges. Most people are familiar when you say wildlife refuge. They know what that means. but They don't understand what waterfowl production areas are. And we're part of the refuge system. We're still uh, considered refuge lands, but the main differences are is that the waterfowl production areas are open to all, uh, to many activities, outdoor activities, recreational use, and refuges are closed unless specifically open. So that's the primary difference in, in Nebraska. All of our lands are waterfowl production areas and they are managed, all the waterfowl production areas for the service are managed by what are called wetland management districts. And so we are the Rainwater Basin Wetland Management District here in Nebraska. Okay, thank you. Now, how has the management of WPAs changed from the 1960s to present? Yeah, some of the first lands that we purchased in Nebraska were in 63, primary effort by uh, Fish and Wildlife Service at that point in time was to acquire lands, and we didn't really spend a lot of time managing lands. We did uh, reseeding, although a lot of those planned plots were seeded with low diversity, five to seven species mixes. And that was just to convert it back from cropland back over to something other than crops, grassland, native plants. Uh, Since the 1990s, we've actually started to do more management and restore habitats on our land. So that includes wetland and grassland habitat. And these seedings that we're doing uh, nowadays are high diversity, uh, 100 plus species, sometimes 150 grassland species. And then the wetland restoration work is specifically focused on trying to uh, get back to a sustainable condition, a diverse wetland habitat, diverse plants, diverse animal use. And speaking of animals, what are the principal wildlife species you're managing for in the rainwater basin? Yeah, in the rainwater basin, uh, like most of the other uh, wetland management districts, we're mandated to uh, provide habitat for migratory birds. So consider uh, stopover habitat in Nebraska. Most of the wetland management districts north of us uh, truly are waterfowl production areas. We're a little bit different in that we do provide habitat for nesting waterfowl, but we are helping to provide bring migration habitat for waterfowl so they have areas that they can stop over, feed, and increase body condition, and that helps to provide better nesting success for waterfowl. Why do wetlands require frequent disturbances to keep native plant communities thriving? Well, all the grassland grasslands around the world require frequent disturbances, and that helps maintain the grass species versus encroachment of woody species. 
So depending on where you're at around the world, it might mean that you have frequent fires, you might have wind damage, you might have hail, um, ice, snow, and of course grazing. All those play important influences on maintaining grassland habitat. Um, given the challenges that we have with fire use being in agricultural lands, uh, limited time frames to burn, small areas that we burn, uh, it's just very difficult to apply fire on the landscape. So we tend to use grazing as one of our primary disturbance treatments. That disturbance, again, is important to maintain the native upland and wetland plant uh, communities. And what are some of the shortcomings of wetlands dominated by invasive plant communities? We have quite a few wetlands um, in our district that are monotypic. So, and monotypic just means there's single species out there. One of the detriments that we have uh, to our wetlands are sedimentation. So rapid sedimentation versus natural sedimentation means that you have high amounts of soil being moved from upland areas to wetland areas. And of course, all that soil carries nutrients, chemicals, other things that affect water quality, uh, the wetland area, the biogeochemical processes, and ponding frequency. And so with the increase in the nutrients and organic matter, we see changes in the plant community going from diverse stands, sparse stands, shortened stature, uh, plant height, to stands that are very tall, very robust, and not as diverse. And a lot of times, like I say, they're monotypic stands or single species stands which are not beneficial to wildlife as a general rule. Now you mentioned grazing a bit ago, and mm -hmm. um, I have a question about that. How do you use grazing cattle to meet wildlife management objectives? Yeah, so wildlife management objectives uh, can be very broad. Uh, we have probably 20 different objectives that we can use cattle grazing to accomplish. The main things are decreasing stand height and when you decrease stand height increase the sunlight exposure so you get uh, different plants to germinate different plants in the understory that can actually grow so they're not all competing for sunlight they all have exposure for um, ultraviolet rays from the sun stem density is another one a lot of times we had just have thick stands and again these are uh, sometimes monotypic stands so grazing helps to reduce that stand density Grazing helps to increase plant vigor, promotes deeper roots, so these plants will survive through uh, drought conditions. In wetlands, a lot of times it's just to reduce the stand height and help create more diverse stands and get those annual plants to grow. So typically the annual plants have more seed produced on those, and seed is an important resource for spring migrating waterfowl. Okay, thank you. Are there any challenges in using cattle as a management tool on wetlands? Yeah, there's a lot of challenges we face with cattle grazing. Primary thing is just having a perimeter fence since these are small lands, typically surrounded by crop fields. We've got to keep the cows out of the corn, so <laughs> that's a primary concern. Interior fencing, a lot of times folks don't have enough livestock, so there's not enough stocking rate to accomplish specified goals. Uh, so putting in cross fences, water sources are a big hurdle for us to jump through. 
sometimes these wetlands have water in them while they're grazing, sometimes they don't. And when they don't, having a lot of head of cattle, it's really hard to get enough water out there to every day for those cattle. So now before we get ready to close out this session, is there anything else you'd like to add regarding the rainwater basin management? Well, some of the things that'll be covered in my talk will specifically talk about forage quality for livestock. We haven't looked too much at how grazing wetlands affects actual livestock, and we'll be doing that with uh, cattle uh, in a joint partnership with Meat Animal Research, and we're going to be looking at how cattle gains are, uh, general livestock health, as well as what that forage quality is and how that helps us meet our wildlife objectives. So should be an interesting study that we do. Yes, it does sound very interesting. Now, Jeff, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking time to speak with me. And I would like to mention that Jeff will be giving a presentation entitled Managing Rainwater Basin Wetlands as part of the Nebraska Grazing Conference taking place August 9, 10, and 11 in Kearney, Nebraska. To learn more about the conference or to register, go to grassland.unl.edu. Thank you for listening.